Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. So 2023, somebody say occupy. Um, now, not, you know, I'm, I'm going to be talking along the lines of, of, of that word, of course, on January 1st. But I want to go ahead and say this. Um, I really believe um, that that is the word for me. You know, something that resonates within me is the word occupy. I can't tell you time after time after time how many times I've said here, you know, we believe in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that He's coming back because the Bible declares that He's coming back. But one of the things is, you know, that we've known a lot of the uh, uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, it was a huge, huge emphasis, still is a major emphasis and should be an emphasis because we must believe in the return of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because that posture of believing and having the expectancy of His coming is, is posturing us in a place to be ready for Him, right? Um, how, many of you ha- how many of you know that every wedding has a wedding date? Anybody, how many of you brides, uh, you wouldn't like for your groom to not show up at your wedding? Are you with me? Or groom, you wouldn't like your, your, your bride to not show up at the wedding on your wedding day. You set a wedding date. And both the bride and the groom, I'm just talking on the earthly realm, are ready for that date. In other words, the date has been set and they are gearing up to show up on that special day. So in other words, they're there's preparation, that they're prepared to go to the special day. And that's the way we need to be. I'm trying to explain the same principle that we need to be postured and ready for the return of the Lord. Now, one side of the coin has had everybody paralysed with the fact that Jesus is coming back and we have our suitcases packed and uh, that's it. He's coming and we're just ready and whatever, whatever else is going on in the world, I don't really care about because He's coming back and I'm sitting here with my suitcases packed so that He can come. Well, that's not the heart of Jesus either. So while we are waiting for Him, the readiness that we posture ourselves in is telling people about Him, right? And so, and I'm not making that stuff up. We know that this is the truth. Everything else is debatable. Some people believe this, some people believe that concerning the subject and there's vagueness and each one swears by the Scriptures that they're showing that their way is the absolute way. And I will tell you this, that, that, and there's major debates going on over the subject. Are you with me? Okay, but one thing that we cannot deny is the Bible says in the Gospels, Jesus speaking, He says, occupy until I come. So there's an an absolute statement of truth there that nobody in all of those groups that believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus and whatever that looks like, there is an absolute statement that none of them will disagree with. Are you with me? So all I am saying is, is that we need to, Occupy until He comes. In other words, be, be doing the will of the Father until He comes. Amen? Amen? Come on. How many of you realise that you're going to be in a sorry place if you are uh, uh, at home every day and just doing nothing? You've got to occupy. And then uh, what is occupy? You've got to go to your occupation. And you've got to go collect a paycheck at the end of the week. Maybe you're a business owner, but you know, no income will be generated by you staying at home or never picking up the phone call and doing anything about generating that income. Why? Because you're occupying your workplace. And it's the same thing with the kingdom principles of God, amen? So I really feel that um, the word for us, it is a, an action word, a moving word, a, 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 a word of focus for us to occupy. In other words, Coupled with that word occupy is taking territory. Somebody say taking territory. So there's going to be kingdom advance. And uh, I know you're a whole lot more excited than what you look right now. You know, a kingdom advance. And by the way, the word occupy is, is this is kind of a, a word for you. In that the Lord is saying, you need to occupy your workplace. You need to occupy your business. You need to occupy, there's kingdom advance coming to you. And not just on a, on a it's all kingdom, but I'm just saying you need to take that word of the Lord for you. 
because the Lord is wanting you. How many of you know the Bible says that everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread, has He what? Has He what? Given. So you need to start walking in faith and start acting like He's given it to you. Amen. And so we're moving, we're taking ground. I mean, the church is coming into a place where we are gonna move in a tremendous power. And it's not that we're not right now, but there is that, there is that window. I believe the window uh, is opening that, that we are going to. We're coming into that thing called the glorious church, the sleeping giant that is awakening in the world to be a witnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Come on. And what does this resurrection look like? People's lives being touched, people's lives being transformed, people's lives being healed, people's lives being delivered. Come on, the, the, the miraculous power of God moving. Oh, come on. Am I talking, is this destiny church this morning? Are you with me? Okay, somebody say this, mandate. I wanna leave the screen up because I'm kind of going into where we're going and, and talking a little bit about this this morning. I wanna talk about the heavenly mandate. And of course, when we talk about the heavenly mandate, we've got to know God's plan for man. Somebody say, God's plan for man. And who is the first man? Anybody? I mean, you should be able to do this with me. Who's the first man? Okay, let's go all the way back. So in order to go back to the beginning, we've got to understand our existence, amen? So who is the first man? <laughs> I've got a lot of answers. You all failed. No, I'm joking. So the first man is Adam. Somebody say, Adam. So, so God created madam, Adam, <laughs> Adam, He created Adam and then His madam, all right? So there was Adam and then madam, all right? So God created Adam right from the beginning in the book of Genesis. Um, in fact, we can, uh, let's see here, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let me read that for you and then I'm gonna dive right in here a little bit more. It says, then God says, let man, let us make man in our image. I love the way we see the scripture here just to show you the triune Godhead. What does that mean? The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, let us, God, God wasn't schizophrenic. Uh, you know, he didn't, he's not got multiple personality disorder. He, he's saying, let us make man in our image. So the Father and the Son are present here as He's communicating. He's saying, let us make man in our image. And in a sense there, the, the, the Godhead is revealed and the revelation of the Godhead is also revealed in the man's creation in that God is a triune being and, and uh, three, three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but He also creates us come on with a body, a soul and a spirit. Are you with me? And then he says, according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the sky and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps. And I usually like to say, I've seen a lot of creeps out there and everything that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created him male, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So God has put man in the earth. In fact, God's, uh, the, the, the mandate of God is, is He creates all of the heavens and the earth in the beginning. And then uh, He puts a governing authority over that realm. That realm of the earth is governed and the authority of the realm of the earth is given to man who He has created in His image and likeness. In other words, Adam and Eve have been given jurisdiction in the earth. And their mandate here is to be fruitful and multiply. Somebody say, be fruitful and multiply. So God's mandate given to man in the earth as a place where He gets to govern is to be fruitful and to multiply. Are you with me? And fill all the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we can see the intentionality of the Father for man is that He has given man dominion and authority in the earth. That, that dominion, that rule has been given to us. 
We are to subdue the earth. We are to take dominion. We are to take territory. I want to remind us of the heavenly mandate. Because we, we somewhat, and this is not me being critical, but we have been subdued instead of subdue. We have, we have been put to sleep. We have, we have had this paralysis that has come to the body of Christ. God hasn't called the church to be a paralysed church. He's called the church to be a victorious church. A church of power, yes. not, not some church that exists just to be in a building on a Sunday morning. Number one, of course, let's not, let's not split hairs over this. Well, I am the church. Yes, you are the church, but the church comes together. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, don't neglect the gathering together of the saints, even so much more as you see the day approaching. Yes. Amen, amen. So yes, you are the church. Does God love you if you don't attend church in a church building? Yes, He does. Is He angry with you that you don't go to church in a church building on a Sunday? No, He's not. He loves you. Is it affecting the possibilities of the fullness of the destiny of God being fulfilled in your life? Yes, it is. Absolutely. You see, that's a half truth. The half truth is going to keep you functioning at a half walk. Are you with me? A half truth is gonna keep you functioning at a half half walk. In other words, you are understanding something that's elementary because it is, it is, it is a, an elementary understanding that should be solidified in our walk with the Lord. It's a, yes, we understand there's no buts and ifs and God loves us, His heart for us and His love for us doesn't change. There are things that we go through that we bring upon ourselves because of what we're doing in the earth, not because of what He's already done everything. He's done everything that needs to be done. All of the riches have been placed upon Him in His finished work so that you can have. You see, it's not based on what you, you, you have nothing to offer other than what He perfectly paid for at the cross that you get to walk in. And it's not because of your earning or deserving, but because of what He's done for you. We get to walk and subdue the. You see, he, he, he purchased Jesus now. The second Adam brings us back to God's plan for man in that He restores to us the original mandate, which says to us, be fruitful and multiply, fill all of the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky, over everything that lives and moves on the earth. Amen. Jesus restored that to them that believe. And I can tell that this is your son, by the way. She said, you might not recognise him, but I can see he's definitely your boy. Come on. So God has given us the ability to occupy. So the other half of that truth is that, yes, God loves us, but that's staying in the place of infancy. That's infancy. Because the other half of that truth is, how long are you gonna stay like a baby drinking out of a milk bottle in that revelation alone? And that's great for a time, it's good. But when is that gonna empower you to where you start saying, thank you, Lord, you love me. And now you're going, Lord, I, uh, my life is to please you and give my life. And the church is His idea, not my idea. It's not your idea, it's His idea. So now it comes over from the place of staying in a place of paralysis or lethargy or, 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 or understanding how much He loves us into a place where I, wanna, I, wanna, I want my life to count for something for Him. Not because you're trying to do it. You're, you're responding to that love. It's a response love. It's a response doing. Are you with me? Somebody say the heavenly mandate. 
So if you will, let me go ahead and, 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 and kind of go, I don't wanna say down the rabbit hole because we're not going down a rabbit hole this morning, but, but let me paint a picture here. So God, <laughs> in the evening of the sixth day creates man. And you know, y'all have heard me say this many, many times. He created Adam in the evening of the sixth day and, and he introduces Adam as God breathes into his nostril. Adam takes his first breath. His eyes are open and behold, he's in the garden. He, he, he looks around and there's fruits and, and there's animals walking around the garden. There's all these things and he's going, what is this? And, and then God gives him obviously jurisdiction power and he begins to name everything that's on the inside there that he sees and apprehends. But, but Adam is introduced to something that is already created for him. He gets to enjoy the fruits of the labour of the Garden of Eden that God created for him. In other words, God built an ecosystem for the one He gives jurisdiction to in the earth where He has the power and authority along with Eve to subdue this earth. God has created everything He's gonna need right on the inside of Him. Everything that the earth, the, the fullness, I mean, from the soil down to the core of the earth, the minerals, the, the gold, the silver, I mean, all of it belongs to Adam and Eve. Yeah. And they can do what, what, what they need to do. And, and, and before the fall comes, they can do whatever they want to do with it because there's no sin in them. So anything that they are engaging in apart from that fall is in a place of them operating in the will of the Father. Are you with me? I'll say that one more time. Anything that Adam and Eve did before the fall outside of partaking of that tree, anything that they did is partaking on the jurisdiction and the authority that they have been given in the earth. They didn't need to say, Lord, can we do this? Or Lord, can we do that? He said, no, I've given you the earth. It's yours, do what you want. Just don't touch that tree. Oh, somebody. So, so there is a, there is a, there's a purpose, there is a cause, there is God giving man jurisdiction over the earth. He's given Adam a mandate to multiply and to be fruitful. I want you to be blessed, Adam. The whole earth is yours, Adam. Do, do whatever you need to do. This is yours. You, you have complete jurisdiction here. The title deed is in your name. This whole earth belongs to you. So God's intention is revealed. Amen. How many of you would agree with that? Yes. I think it's pretty clear. But, somebody say but. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there you go. You know, that's one thing I can say in church, and it's not sacrilegious, so don't shoot me for saying it. It's the one place in church where I can say I like big butts and I cannot lie. It's a big butt because the butt there changes everything. Are you with me? Yes. Come on, just stick with me. Don't look at me like that. It's okay. Jesus, you know, Jesus is the author of joy. Anything that you can do. He gave to you. He, he gave you the ability to laugh. If you can laugh, it was, He has, obviously if He said, let us create man in our image and likeness, and He gave you the ability to laugh and have joy, that's because He has got laughter and joy. He didn't give you, he didn't give you anything that's not already in Him. Oh, somebody, Ooh, think about that right there. He didn't give you anything that wasn't already in Him. Now, obviously, the effects of Adam's fall, uh, you know, is the counterfeit to the emotions that God put on the inside of us to begin with. God never created Adam to have sorrow. God never created in Adam the ability to be depressed. He created with him 
within him the ability to love, to laugh, to have joy, to walk in perfect peace. And that's all they knew. So in the garden, and I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm sticking, are you guys okay with me here? In the garden, we know that that covenant, it's, I call it the Adamic covenant. It is an Adamic covenant. How do you say it's an Adamic covenant? Very easily because God made a covenant with Adam. He said, you can have everything. It's all yours. You have complete, you have the title deed. There's only one condition, one thing. I'm putting the word condition, which it is. There's one thing, Adam, do not touch that tree. Because in the day that you shall eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Of course, we know Adam never physically died. But in other words, you will be cut off from God to be spiritually dead. In other words, to have no access, to lose and yield the authority and jurisdiction I've given to you, you will lose that. And we know that the enemy came and took the title deed from him in in that tree. So in other words, that covenant and the jurisdiction and the, why did God put the tree there in the first place? Because he put, God is not a, uh, he's not a number one, he's not a usurper of the authority of man. Number two, he's gonna put man in a position where they have a choice. Are you with me? He gave Adam the ability to choose. The weakness of that covenant, however, the weakness of that covenant was Adam's ability or the frailty of that covenant. That covenant was as weak as Adam's ability to say yes or no to that tree. Are you with me? So we know the intention of God here. So the fall of man happens, sin enters into the world. By the way, what does sin, what does the effects of sin look like in the earth from the garden? Do you know that there is not even, the, you know, the, 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 the fact that the trees can be planted into the ground and they have a, 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 you know, they have this thing called the aging process, just like you and I have an aging process. You know, we were born into this world. At some point we have an expiry date, whenever that may be, but we're born into this world. We came in with nothing. We leave with nothing. We have an expiry date. We have breath in our body for a certain amount of time. But from the time that we're born, we're entering into the place of growth and we're also decaying. Just like the trees, just like the fruits, just like the vegetables in the garden. Can you, can you imagine? The effects of sin brought decay. The effects of sin brought death. And if you think about it, up until the fall happened in the garden, everything that grew on the trees, I mean, it was there. It never, there was no worms eating it. It was fresh, it was organic, there was no disease in the soil, it didn't need fertilizer, the soil was perfect, the soil was rich, it produced an everlasting continuity to those plants. The animals, the fish, they had, I mean, they, they weren't gonna, come on, are you with me? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? There was no decay, there was no death. And if there's no death, means nothing dies. So, so now the father, yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to rush through this, is, but I wanna be very clear in my communication is because, you know, the enemy comes into the earth illegally. He has to, he is the deceiver. He is the father of lies. He deceives Adam and Eve. The fall enters into the world. God is now not going to do what Lucifer does. In other words, he is not a deceiver. But in order for him to access the earth, why? Because he gave over the title deed to the enemy when he fell, Adam did. And in order for him to to bring back the title deed into our ownership, the second Adam has to go to the cross. Anybody with me? 
all right? But in order for Jesus to come into the earth, He has to get a legal access into the earth. And in order for Adam, for the lineage, Jesus' lineage to eventually manifest the Christ, He has to come legally into the earth. And in order for Him to come in legally, God has to find a man in the earth that He comes into covenant with. Why? Because the covenant is everything that's yours is, is everything that's yours is mine and everything that's mine is yours. And God comes into the earth and what does He do? He enters a covenant with Abraham. Because down the lineage of Abraham, Jesus is going to come. And in Genesis chapter 15, we see the original mandate of Genesis, God speaking the same language. In fact, let me just go there really quickly while I, while I have you here. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, I don't wanna read too much from it, but at least uh, um, uh, verse one through six, uh, let me go ahead and read it. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not fear Abram, I'm a shield to you. I will be your reward a very, and, a, and your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, since you are given no, since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord said to him, came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body and he shall be your heir. And he took him outside. Now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. He said, be fruitful and multiply. We have, a, we have an issue that happens in the garden. God's coming back into the earth to, to give and restore authority to, to men back again. And He comes to Abraham. And the Bible says in verse six, it says, then He believed the Lord and He reckoned to Him as righteousness. What? Because He did what? Because He believed. So God reckoned, in other words, He, he, he looked at Abraham as righteous because He believed. He believed the word of the Lord. And then if you read and if you continue to read in chapter 15, God begins to speak to Abraham. How many of you in this room uh, that have a little bit of common sense before signing on the dotted line of any contract? Because we have to do that. Years ago, we could do a shake hand deal and you were as good as your word. Now you can't do a shake hand deal anymore because you just don't know who's gonna be actually coming to the table with what they promised. And without legal by legally binding contracts, there's hardly anything that can happen anymore because most of it will get messed up if we don't. Come on, you know, that's true. So here's the deal, is that Abraham speaks to God. God speaks to Abraham. And do you think God is getting Abraham to sign a covenant contract with him without revealing what's inside of that covenant? No. God speaks to Abraham exactly what's in that covenant. How do you know that? Because number one, Galatians tells me what happens because the rest of Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says God takes Abraham into a trance. And by the way, uh, uh, there, there is a sacrifice that happens. There is the animal that is cut down the middle from the head to the tail. And this is what happens. The, one half of the animal falls on this side. The other half of the animal falls on that side. Two halves perfectly. And the Bible says there is a flaming torch that begins to fly through the sacrifice. And now if you will, uh, let's go ahead, Mallory and Derek, really quickly. Uh, let's pretend you're two halves, okay? This is one half of the animal. Just give yourselves a little bit of a gap right there. And so the flaming, I'm the flaming torch and the flaming torch begins to fly and hover above the sacrifice. Now watch me, what figure am I making as I walk through the sacrifice? In other words, a new covenant of new beginnings is being established. The one that was first lost in the garden is now being restored where God is gonna bring authority and jurisdiction back to His original intention. And that is for you and I to multiply, take dominion, use the power and the authority in name of Jesus. You may be seated. Can we see how God's, God is amazing? 
So in Galatians, now listen, Galatians tells me that God showed Abraham because the Bible says that the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand. So what is the gospel? There's only one gospel. What is it? The good news. What is the good news? That Jesus came and the will of the Father is revealed in Corinthians that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses against Him, that He would become the once for all time sacrificial Lamb of God that would bring humanity back into a place that should they believe in the One that shed His blood for them, that they will be able to be restored as a new creation in the earth and everything that the first Adam lost is now being restored to you and I. So Abraham saw the covenant that God was making. God spoke to him, He had to show him, He had to show him the weightiness of the covenant that He's coming into the Father with. And as the covenant, you see, a covenant must be ratified in blood and that is why the sacrifice is there so that the deal is made. And when the, the blood is shed, there is mine, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Now God has legal access to come into the earth. Unlike the enemy that came in illegally, He comes back legally into the earth and through Christ unveils a master plan that the enemy never ever saw coming. So Abraham sees the birth of Jesus. He sees the ministry of Jesus. He sees the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, Abraham saw it all. The Bible says the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand. Genesis 15. One more thing, just to close my case here, to seal the deal that this is absolute truth. One more thing is Genesis chapter 15. How many of you realise Genesis 15 is before Genesis 22? That's a heavy revelation, isn't it? (laughs) And up until the time that God is taken into a cover, that God takes Abraham into this trance, no one has ever witnessed a resurrection before. In other words, God's nature has never been revealed. They have never seen the resurrection power of God. So up until Genesis chapter 15, the only person on the face of the earth that that witnessed resurrection is Abraham as God reveals to him the future of that covenant. So in Genesis chapter 22, a little bit later, when God says to Abraham, take now your only son to the mountain of which I shall show you. He also goes to the foot of the mountain and he tells his servants, the lad, just wait here, the lad and I will return. God had already told him he was taking his son up to be sacrificed. Abraham wasn't trying to lie to his servants. He said, the lad and I will return. Why? Because Abraham witnessed a resurrection and he said, I might be taking him up to sacrifice, but I know the same God that rose Jesus from the dead is able to raise up my son Isaac from that altar. So it's clear God's got intention for man. How many of you realise that, that, that the sin that entered the world was not part of God's intention? Are you with me? So God's, God's intention is multiply. Come on, we haven't even started here. God's intention is be fruitful and multiply, subdue. Take dominion. Some strong words there. So in other words, apart from sin coming into the earth, man had the ability to fulfil the mandate that God created man for. So can I say this therefore, that apart from sin, man was walking in his mandate. Are you with me? 
So can I also say that God's mandate was more important than sin? So, so sin came into the world. Just follow me here. I'm going to make it make sense in a second. So God's, God's solution to the problem was bringing Jesus to the cross so that He would become righteousness for you. Right? He would become your righteousness so that He could put you into a place where you can actually do what He intended you to do in the earth. So let me ask you this question. Is the gospel saved? Is the gospel meaning saved for a purpose or is it saved from sin or is it both? It's, It's both, it's both. But the one has taken far more emphasis in the church. Because the gospel on the planet earth, in the, especially in the Western world, and the Western world meaning all the way to many parts of the earth, into the European and many, many places of the earth, most of the gospel is salvation from sin. And that's where we camp. Salvation was from sin was to do one thing, to reconcile you to the Father so that you could go back to the mandate in the garden. Salvation from sin was to put you back into God's original intention. But we camped out and we've made the gospel just about the forgiveness of sin, the focus of sin, being conscious of sin. How about let's stop being conscious of sin and become conscious of the righteousness of God living on the inside of you. now. How we will never, ever be able to fulfill the heavenly mandate if we can't even get out of bed because we're trying to overcome sin. I've got news for you, honey. You can try all you want. You will never overcome apart from the power of His grace working on the inside of you. You will never be able to do anything for the kingdom of God because you will lie in dead in bed every single day condemned under the guilt of your shame. Oh, oh. Just got real in here. So the gospel is both. It is both you're saved for a purpose and it is the forgiveness of your sin. But remember this, when you come into the kingdom of God and He's forgiven you of your sin, there is a welcome mat to a house called the dwelling place. And it says, welcome. It says now, and you open the door, there's another mat on the floor and it has your name written on it. It says, welcome to your destiny. The way to have freedom from sin is not by you focusing on how much you sin. It is by you focusing on the righteousness of God that He's made you and you begin to focus on Him and you say, yes, I am no longer that way. I am a new creation. And as you do, the grace of God and His power begins to flow through you. And the thing that you had no power to walk away from, suddenly because your focus is on Him, He begins to give you the power Being free from sin is not focusing on trying to be free from sin. Being free from sin is by focusing on Him because He's the one that has the power to give you that freedom. Come on, somebody. It's the heavenly mandate. Somebody say it with me. 
God's plan, you know what he, come on, say this with me, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So that means God's plan from the beginning never changed. You know, people have a real issue hearing this kind of stuff. I'm the, you're, hearing the, you're hearing the gospel. Just let me help you out with that. Because what I'm telling you to do is focus on Jesus. And the devil's telling you to focus on your shortcomings. And half the church world is telling you to focus on your shortcomings. Half the church world is saying, you will not qualify, you don't qualify, because, 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 because. God's not looking for your abilities, He's looking for your availability. And if you're waiting to walk in like like the epitome of perfection, you're gonna wait until Jesus comes. You've got to walk in a place and say, Lord, I thank You for Your grace and Your power every morning when you wake up. Thank You, Lord, I put my eyes on You. I thank You, Father, that for what You have made me to become, that what You have already made me. I, Lord, I thank You that I walk in the power of what You have made me. And you begin to focus in on that and then you begin to put your hand to the plough and you begin to respond to a loving Father that won for You, that purchased back for You what God intended that you have been fully reconciled to God. God is not condemning you. He is not, in fact, listen, the, the condemnation uh, condemnation causes you to run away from the Father. But when He begins to work on your heart, you begin to run towards Him. He's not asking you to run away from Him. He's asking you to run towards Him. Focusing on your sin doesn't cause you to run towards Him. It makes you feel unqualified. It makes you feel ashamed. It makes you feel like you cannot come and approach Him. And He's saying in your state, come to me, come to me, run to me and I will give you the power to free you. It is the exact opposite of a lot of what we hear. Because by hiding yourself in a closet somewhere, you're running, you're running away from the power that gives you the ability to be free. Anybody in the house tonight? And this is our heart. This is who we are. This is what we impart. This is what we preach. And that's what we stand for. And I say to those that have ears, as you hear the truth, that this will cause you to come into the overflow of this word called occupy. Because I'm telling you right now, you need to take 2023, grab it by the horns and say, you will not, I will not be subject to you. You will be subject to me. I have been given dominion. I have been given power. I have been given authority and I will subdue the earth. Everywhere the foot of my, my sole of my foot shall tread have you given unto me. And I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm just saying, walking boldly in what you have been given. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. The keys of the kingdom are on the inside of you. You're not trying to go to another 21 day fast to get it. It's already on the inside of you. You don't have to go to a 10 hour prayer meeting to get it. It's already on the inside of you. Sure, if you fast, the fasting is not to get God to move for you. The fasting is for you to get to get yourself to move to God. Are you with me? The fasting and the praying is not for any other purpose than getting revelation of what's already on the inside of you. You are already right now sitting in your chair as anointed as you will ever be. Let freedom sound. I'm not promoting sin. I am promoting the one who is far above the power of sin and His name is Jesus. 
and your accusers, should you believe what you are hearing today, will never about, they will never be able to attach the title of a heretic or theologically unsound towards you. They will never be able to attach that because it's truth. And unfortunately, it challenges them because they wanna stick to their religion. They wanna carry on worshipping the golden calf. They wanna carry on making it all about themselves instead of making it all about Jesus. And we are far removed. We will never, not for one minute. I feel like I'm on a political campaign this morning. We will not for one day, we will not for one day, not for one day ever from this pulpit ever preach something that puts the emphasis on you. We will only preach a gospel that puts the emphasis on the power of Almighty God and His Name is Jesus. And so the offence therefore is that you are not offended with me, you are offended with His Word. So in closing today, the question you walk out the door with, because the Bible said you shall know them by their fruit. Right? And so let's judge the Word by the fruit. Right? In the message that you are hearing today, is it the exaltation of man and his efforts? Or are you hearing something that is man separated and Jesus glorified? It's Jesus glorified from the beginning. It's Jesus glorified at the centre and it's Jesus glorified at the end. And that's how you measure. Because that leaves you without argument and maybe your theology challenged. Amen? Let me tell you right now, the things that I preach today here and many times, it challenged me to the core until God said to me the same thing that I said, what is the fruit? And when I began to walk down the, the road of understanding what the fruit is, and I understood Jesus was the centrality, the same gospel Paul preached is the same gospel you hear today. Jesus at the centre. And when, I, when, I, when the light bulb turned on, that was it. I said, Lord, and you don't get offended with me. I said, I'm all in. The best way I can describe what all in means is like you're playing a game of Texas Hold'em. And you've got everything that belongs to you, your assets. You've got everything that's of value. And you go, I'm all in. I'm all in. Because I've got the winning hand. It's easy to go all in. Are you with me? Come on. So I say, let's occupy. I say, let's be a people that will walk in the authority, that will dare to believe Jesus at His Word. His Word will never come back void. Let's dare to believe Him. Let's take authority. Let's occupy. Let's take Lafayette. Let's take New Iberia. Let's take Opelousas. Let's take Eunice. Let's take, come on, everywhere. I'm not, we're, anyway, I'll just stop right there. No, I feel, I actually feel like, you know, like I said, I actually brought up in a funny way. I feel like I'm doing a political campaign. I'm telling you, I'm going into full tilt here. Because heaven is recruiting. Heaven is, I feel like heaven is recruiting through the sound of the voice of the servant of the Lord here today. Because they will hear the sound and say, I want to be in on this. I want to be in on this. And we will have addition after addition after addition. And we're not looking after, we're not looking. The only reason we are looking for those who will say yes 
to the sound of what they are hearing is because guess what? One puts a thousand to flight, two put 10,000. And the more that we are, the more we will be able to take territory. Are you with me? Can we give Jesus a shout of praise in this place? Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church. Next week we have our, obviously Christmas Day, we wanna be very, um, not that we make any excuses, but we also wanna place value because Jesus actually created this thing called family. He's the one that authored family. And so we're gonna have a service to honour Him, okay? But it's gonna be a short service. So it's gonna be a 10.30. We're gonna have some worship. I'm gonna bring a little word and then y'all can go and spend the rest of your day with your family, okay? Uh, and and uh, so we're, we're not shutting, we're not, okay, the other option is we shut down and we're not shutting down. So we don't care if we have five to preach to, we'll preach to you. We'll preach, we'll tell you about the, the, the glory of Jesus next week, Sunday morning, and the week after that, and the week, and the week, and the week, until Jesus comes, we're gonna be talking about how wonderful He is. Amen? Hallelujah. Lastly, for those of you that are on here by way of live stream, welcome. If you wanna give, those of you that are in here, um, you can give in the following ways. You can give here at church. You can also give online. If you are here giving physically at church with a check or cash, just grab one of the envelopes to my right, your left. Just write down your information so we can keep accurate records of your giving. Um, if you are writing out a check, make it out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. Uh, you can also go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. It's written on the slide and you can click on the support. What does it say on the website now? Okay, I think there's a word support. Something to do with giving. So support would also be one of those words. I know it's definitely got the word support. Just click on that button. You can give safely and securely. And last but not least, if you are in the United States or in Canada, just use your smartphone, text the word GIVE to uh, 337-434-3777. That's uh, 337-434-3777. You would think that after a long time of having that number, I would memorise it. Anyway, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs>